This is a Socialist News and Views special report. I'm Nick Schilling-Ford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis with this special report. Shortly, we'll have an interview with a whistleblower who exposed ongoing dangers related to the February 4th, 2019 Field Hill derailment and wreck of Canadian Pacific Train 301 that killed three workers a full month before it happened. We will include a link to the Facebook page for those who continue to follow news of the wreck and ongoing demands at safety. CP rail workers killed in BC derailment identified as Calgary based crew is the title of an article in the Calgary Herald from that day, February 4th, 2019, which said the crew that perished in the derailment had been a crew based out of Calgary saying, quote, conductor Dylan Paradis, engineer Andrew Dockrell and trainee Daniel Waldenberger Balmer suffered fatal injuries when a westbound freight train left the track about 1 a.m. just east of Field B.C., some 200 kilometers west of Calgary, the accident prompted union leaders to demand action in the wake of a mounting death toll on railway workers, end quote. The article by Sean Logan says the train had 112 cars when it left the tracks near a bridge over the Kicking Horse River and plunged over 50 meters from the bridge into the water. Yahoo Canada has an article from April 2021 titled Families of Railroaders Killed in Runaway Train Derailment in 2019 Sue CP Railway and Ottawa, which reads, quote, as CP Train 301 rolled away from where it sat parked on a mountain slope just west of the Alberta border, one of the most dangerous stretches of rail in North America, the doomed crew hopped aboard, believing they would be able to stop the runaway train and unaware that the brakes on the 112 freight cars had failed in the extremely cold weather conditions, end quote. It says the employer's own police force investigated the wreck, which resulted in accusations of a cover-up. But the issues of poor safety are certainly not confined to Canada and all folks anywhere near rails in North America should be extremely concerned. North American rail safety, quote, pretty bad compared to Europe, is the title of an item from April 19th of this year, 2023, by Shane Mercer in the Safety Mag. According to an expert in the article, North American freight rail companies are not interested in improving rail safety because it costs too much money. That expert, Steve Harrod, an associate professor at Technical University of Denmark in the DTU Engineering Technology Department, says, quote, it's very bad by European standards, and it has been really bad for a long time, end quote. He also says, quote, the fundamental technology of North American freight trains needs to be changed, end quote. And we have seen derailments happen here in the United States, including the derailment uh, in East Palestine, Ohio, of course, these derailments have not been halted or reduced and continue to happen regularly, not only impacting human health, but also putting the health of our entire natural environment at risk. June 24th, 2023, an article subtitle reads, quote, the derailment and collapse into the Yellowstone River near Billings involved as many as eight cars with those carrying molten sulfur and asphalt described as compromised, end quote. The article titled Train Carrying Hazardous Materials Derails and Bridge Collapses into Montana River is by Dennis Romero for NBC News. And even in the case of East Palestine, Ohio, they have yet to admit the full extent of the dangers and exposure of residents. Six months since the East Palestine train derailment, concerns remain for health and railway safety, is the title of an article by Julie Grant 
for the Allegheny Front, August 3rd. She says it's been half a year since a train derailment ultimately led to chemical fires and an explosion, which the article notes was really a so-called controlled detonation. The article covers a symposium and panel by the Cancer-Free Economy Network in which East Palestine resident Misty Allison said concerns about the health impacts of chemical exposure had been diminished, saying she was told by those in charge, quote, short-term rashes, headaches, vertigo, things like that. That is more of a stress response than a true environmental health hazard, end quote. And yet corporate cash derails train safety bill is the title of an article on the lever, also August 3rd by Matthew Cunningham Cook and Julia Rock. It says in the subtitle, quote, the oil company whose vinyl chloride poisoned East Palestine gave $2 million to the Senate GOP as lawmakers watered down and stalled proposed reforms, end quote. After six months, it said the already very watered down bill on rail safety did not have the Republican votes to pass. That same month, August of this year, the Sierra Club put out a report which highlighted how monumentally important and transformative rail could be if used properly. The report section entitled Identification of Problems and Rationale for this document reads in part as follows, quote, effective rail transportation is essential to to avert the worst effects of human-caused climate change. Increasing the mode share of passenger and freight transportation to rail will result in many environmental, economic, and social benefits, Rail transportation is inherently much more energy efficient than road transport, especially for freight. Shifting to rail not only has environmental benefits, but economic ones as well, end quote. Its summary and recommendation section reads in part, quote, effective rail transportation is in the best interest of the nation and the planet. The U.S. railroad network is underutilized and we should expect more benefits from it. Current rail policies that shortchange the public interest deny Americans the compelling energy, economic, and environmental benefits inherent in moving as much freight and passenger by rail as possible. Increasing rail and transit mode share and moving away from our current heavy emphasis on the road and air modes of transportation will bring many environmental, economic, and social benefits, end quote. How will we push for these needed reforms in a completely unsustainable corporate transit environment? It will take large-scale actions by working people across North America, but at the center will be transit workers themselves taking work action up to and including work stoppages, a.k.a. strikes. Unfortunately, those in power know this and are doing everything they can to stop, especially very powerful workers in transit and transportation, including rail, from taking these actions. Pete Salmon writes for World Socialist website December 4th, an article headlined, Holiday Strikes of Pilots, Flight Attendants Blocked by Railway Labor Act. It says the strike threat was by Southwest pilots and American Airlines flight attendants. Flight attendants, it says, voted 99.5% in favor of a strike and have been working under an expired contract for years. But it says the National Mediation Board will not release them from further mandatory negotiations. It says the notorious Railway Labor Act, RLA, is also in play as it blocks end-of-year strikes during the holiday season. Salmon writes, quote, the RLA is the same anti-democratic legislation used to block a strike by 120,000 railroad workers last year. When the provisions of the RLA were exhausted in mid-September, the administration relied on the bureaucracies in the railroad unions to delay a further two months, while the White House and Congress prepared legislation to ban a strike and impose the contract which workers had already rejected, end quote. But regardless of the goals or objectives, organized workers, especially rail workers, have a huge amount of potential muscle to flex, regardless of legality. 
Left Voice had two articles on this topic in April 2022, including one titled Greek Railroad Workers Block Delivery of U.S. Tanks to Ukraine, and another outlining Belarusian rail workers' sabotage of Russian military supply lines. This year as well, reports in October and November highlighted European unions refusing to participate in transport of arms to Israel for the ongoing bombing of Gaza, including Greek, Italian, and Turkish transport workers, as well as Greek port workers. In my estimation, this is the type of approach of mass refusal, up to and including work stoppage, even under conditions that have been deemed illegal by the powers that be, that will be necessary to tackle the issues of community and worker safety, as well as the not at all insignificant environmental concerns. And now we turn to our interview. This interview was conducted on November 2nd of this year, shortly after the publication of the fall edition of The Highball, the official publication of Railroad Workers United. In it, our guest wrote an article called Eyewitness Account of Known Hazards That Led to Field Hill Tragedy, in which he outlines near misses he experienced, including one eerily similar to the brake failure that led to the death of three workers on Canadian Pacific Train 301. And after discussing his experience finding out about that wreck, he writes in part the following in the article. We are hapless grunts in a unilaterally waged war of attrition. There is no external enemy, no terrorist, no dictator, no combined forces of an evil foreign tyranny. Only those mustered from within, contemptuous and callous, ruthless, wielded like guns or knives in the deadly subjugation of rail workers, and for that matter, anyone with the misfortune of having destiny linked to the passage of trains. Where is the United Nations? Where is the Red Cross? Where is common humanity? The railway is a mint of vast fortunes, gouged but not earned from the bodies of dead men, women, and children. Rail crews are lashed like pit ponies as a means of production, while our own officers snipe into our trenches from gilded firing positions. Governments, in a sickening conflict of interest, protect these degenerates as if their incompetence and indifference is the only way to run a railway. Collateral damage being less important than the economic bullseye. We need public ownership of the railways, governed by capable wage earners instead of quaffed dividend grabbers. We need responsibility, accountability, compassion, and care. We need functional unions, dutiful governments, and a population chastened into demanding rail safety. And here is the interview. Hey, Mark, can you hear me? Yeah, good, man. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. Yeah, on Socialist News and Views, we let folks introduce themselves. Do you want to just tell listeners who you are? Absolutely, then, Nick. Okay, I'm called Mark Brotherton. Um, 58 years old, as perhaps you can tell from my uh, my imperfect speech. I'm uh, I'm not from Canada originally. I was born in the UK. I've been here for 33 years, and in that time, I've been employed as a, as a brakeman, as a conductor, and latterly as a locomotive engineer. It was CP Rail up in Canada, okay, in Pacific Railway. And uh, I'm here today to talk to you about uh, the thorny subject of rail safety. Yeah, I'm uh, so yeah, I'm based in uh, Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And, uh, you know, I've said this a few times, you know, we don't we don't hear enough about what's going on in Canada. You know, we border Canada uh you know the state of minnesota but uh, unfortunately you know we know more about probably what's going on in britain <laughs> what's going on in mexico uh <laughs> what's going on in ukraine you know israel etc and it's like i feel like half the time nobody knows it thinks about uh you know canada it's like a uh, but we share you know we share uh some rails and we share rail safety uh uh issues and i know that you um you know in addition to what you said you came out as a uh, 
kind of a whistleblower uh, in relation to this rail safety issue and in relation to, um, uh, I believe, some some people that died as a result of uh, safety issues. Do you want to talk briefly a little bit about that uh, history and and, uh, uh, and the situation that you exposed? Yeah, sure. Uh, okay, well, back to what you're just saying there about that you don't hear very much about uh, what occurs up here in Canada. Uh, there's a reason for that. And uh, because all news out of Canada involving the railway is very carefully suppressed and mm. it's uh, it's cultivated and it's it's nurtured. And what I would argue right from the outset, even with all the uh, disasters in the in the US and incidents uh, down there involving trains and the railway, um, up here in Canada, it's actually worse. Mm. And um, we, you know, uh, if you look, even at the last decade or so, uh, the most uh, most serious incidents involving rail in North America have actually occurred here up in Canada, in the Great White North, where uh, really, really speaking, it's a capitalist playground. And uh, you know, we can go into the history of this, but I have theories on this based on the history of this country. But and you know, just briefly, uh, this country it was founded in the 19th century by the British Empire, and uh, certain corporations and organisations that were established at that time, like the CP Rail and the the RCMP, you know, the police force, um, they were given it and. Uh, an extreme amount of power, and that power has never been ceded. And as a result of that, um, today we're living in a situation where, whereby this obscene amount of power has been abused by a tiny uh, cadre of people for their benefit and for their advantage to the cost of everybody else in, in society. And that includes workers uh, like myself, and also the general public. Now, Mark McGantic, which occurred uh, uh, was a decade ago this year, actually. Yep. Um, it was uh, it, that killed forty-seven people, and uh, there's been no public inquiry. Nobody's in jail. They went after all the wrong people. Uh, they they charged a locomotive engineer, an RTC, and uh, a, a rail controller, and a manager. With, uh, with various offences, and they went to court and were acquitted. And uh, I think it was a show trial, to be honest with you, Nick. I think, yep. I think there was no intention of ever securing a conviction. Like The idea was, is, okay, we have suspects, and we put them on trial, on trial. They've been acquitted. Now let's all move along. No more questions asked. I think that was the intent. And up here, up here in Canada, unfortunately, you know, they have the ability to get away with this. And uh, I don't think it's the same in the US, and I don't, th and I know for a certain it's not the same in the UK. If this had occurred in the UK, this uh, people would have been in jail uh, for what happened in in Lake Megantic. But uh, moving forwards onto my own personal experiences, I've dodged death on the railway mm. countless times, countless times in my twenty six years. Um, I've been uh, working in Westpool out of Calgary now. Um, uh, two decades, and that's a mountain subdivision. Um, it's a lagging subdivision, which includes the Field Hill and, and the notorious spiral tunnels 
And uh, um, like it's often been joked that uh, uh, it, can t it, it takes only a chimp you know, to, you know, to drive a train to the Great Divide, but mm. it takes a man to cross the Great Divide and go down the, down the other side. Right. Uh, and uh, most of our uh, events have occurred on the Field Hill. Uh, it's a uh, it's a it's a it's a place of great beauty, and at the same time, massive tragedy as well. And uh, it, as a as a storied history going back into the origins uh, of the railway, and um, um, I I have to report, and it breaks my heart to to allude to this, but um, between November of two thousand eighteen. In February of the following year for 2019, in the space of barely three months, there were four fatalities in the, in our our terminal alone, just here in Calgary. All four of those deaths are are subject to uh, investigation, and the latter three deaths, which occurred on the Field Hill, are actually subject to an RCMP investigation, which has been going on now for three years with no end in sight uh, it is terrible it's uh but it's all part of the status quo it's uh and that's what that's what exists here in this country it's uh it's a status quo which goes back into the days of the empire and i've been a brit i have a certain pride in the empire right <laughs> and uh but yeah uh, it only goes so far and uh and unfortunately uh, today we're living really there with the aftershocks of uh, of the empire. Uh, power has been uh, distributed out among elites, if that's the way to to put it. And these people, frankly, are not fit to be in charge of anything. Right. I often say, you know, that there are people out there who are competent and who are responsible and who are capable of operating. The railway and and do it at a profit but they're not the ones who are in charge right now that's true and uh and this brings me really to what is an important point i think is that uh, if railways are so much a part of the critical infrastructure of north america and you know, both with the economic and the and the safety aspects i don't think we can leave them in the hands of uh, private interests any longer they need to be be subject to public oversight, and uh, this, I mean, this has lots of precedents. And I, in my own experience, uh, British Rail uh, uh, was was established in the late forties as a result of a similar sort of a situation in the UK, whereby uh, by the private companies were um, essentially engaged in a, in an ex exercise of abuse of society by exploiting profits at the cost of safety to the point where the government was forced to nationalize those private companies into one um, in, into one umbrella organization british rail and that uh, and that fell under uh, public oversight and that's what we need today that's what we need today i think yeah i was going to say i think um you know, obviously the, the, the British Empire is in decline. And I think, you know, 
more and more it seems pretty obvious that the uh that the US empire is uh is in significant decline and i think like you said the the people that are uh, running things are you know not are are in lots of them are incompetent um you also have a lot of people that aren't even you know you said talked about running a business at a profit they're not even concerned about running a business at a profit a lot of these are you know financialized considered you know financialized instruments now they're not really run like a you know like a regular business they're being you know you know some of the especially the railways especially are being you know picked apart to especially in the US at least i know uh, to be um uh you know extract every last uh bit of uh capital and uh financial gain and whatever out of them um and you know we saw i, I was just watching the other day the um again speaking of the incompetence the um uh they were talking about the pandemic um there was a, a ver- panel review in britain actually talking about uh, boris johnson yes um, yeah. you know and you may have seen some of that just talking about how he said that uh uh you know uh, uh, uh older people just had to be resigned to their fate that you know that they mm-hmm. were they were all gonna die and that if they didn't they were just gonna be taking up beds in the hospitals that they'd be bed blockers and uh, also asking apparently asked somebody if uh putting a hair uh uh, pointing a hair dryer up your nose could kill off covid or something like that so i Mm -hmm. mean he's just uh you know it's just crazy the people that are um in charge of some of the biggest decisions and then uh you know you have working people that are a lot of times anxious and and um uh you know second guessing everything uh and then the people that are in charge are you know some of the most uh uh bought off uh, corporate uh, people or some of the most incompetent people that uh, uh, that kind of go along with that. And, um, you know, I think, I think, like you said, you, you know, with these declining empires, the only way that we're going to, um, you know, save some of these things for the public interest is to, you know, take uh, public control of uh, these, um, you know, huge public assets and public potential, you know, potential public goods and, and uh, have some public oversight, you know, run them for, um, for public good. And I think that's, you know, I mean, I, I'm a nurse myself. So I come from the, the healthcare side, I ended up leaving the hospital, uh, because I thought it was completely unsafe. Uh, I'm working with some assisted living facilities now. But I mean, the same thing is going on in the hospital environment with these supposedly nonprofits as you know they're skimping on all kinds of supplies you know they're not staffing appropriately they're not able to deliver you know care that i think most healthcare workers would consider to be safe and it sounds like you know that's the same thing uh in the rail uh in the railroads um you know so so i guess you know you've been working on this safety issue um you know basically all these things that have been happening in the past all those safety issues just like in healthcare i mean all that stuff is still out there right i mean there's hasn't been a significant uh improvement in any of those those areas of safety is that correct well that is correct nick and uh, what i would actually argue in fact uh, is that things have got worse mm. Thing, things have not improved like uh if I can just back up there into, into what you were saying mike yeah i covered a lot so yeah go yeah. ahead yeah I ought to qualify a bit about what is said about profit. Like, I agree with you entirely that this is not about profit. Uh, this is about personal wealth. And uh, 
how it works is that the is that the people who have the uh, who have the attention of the boards of directors are the shareholders, and if the shareholders are happy, it means that uh, if the share price is high, um, and if the share price is high, it means that the chairmen of the board, the presidents, or the all the kings and the emperors and all the all the barons and the princes around right. the table, they get to profit themselves personally. And this is about personal greed. This is not about about profit. Because I mean, one would uh, make a, a natural assumption that if the company is safe and is uh, operating uh, amid all the regulations and operating in accordance with all, all societal expectations, that uh, that profit would be a natural byproduct. Mm. But 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 this is profit on 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 like steroids. This is like in order to improve those share prices, they cut everything, yep. and that includes like, the maintenance. Uh, you know, they they cut staff and force the existing staff to work longer and harder you know, to the point of exhaustion. Um, you know, I've known people who've been killed on the job working on the railway, but so I've known literally hundreds of people who've died uh, in and around the railway. And they've died of heart failure, diabetes, kidney disease, even suicide. Yep. And, and uh, you know, these our conditions are, are related to the um, to the breakdown of the lifestyle because they work for the railway. Like families are adversely affected. Um, and we work on call and we work 80 hours a week on, on average, even more sometimes. And uh, it's uh, it, it's a terrible situation that, unfortunately, our, our society has been, especially in North America, it, it's been geared to be more accepting of a capitalist uh, model, whereby yep. as long as we're making money, everybody's happy. And, and unfortunately, one of the most dire byproducts of that is that the life of the individual is uh, is ruled to be void. You know, people die. It's the cost of doing business. It's true. And um, Keith Creel, for example, he, he told the mother of the conductor, uh, oh, he uh, he actually said in, in an interview, which was brought to my attention by the mother of the conductor who was killed on the Field Hill wreck, that in, the, in this industry, that we have to break a few eggs from time to time. And and Pam Fraser, the, the lady, uh, the mother the conductor she told me that when he said that all she could see was was the crushed head of dylan her son mm. and um and you know two or three days after the field hill wreck i was actually in field uh, in the bunkhouse and one of the managers uh walked into the lunchroom where we were talking about the incident and uh he said to us he says well he, he says uh these things occur from time to time in this industry. We all know that the rules are written in blood. Mm. And I said to him, I said, well, if I was you, I'd walk away from me right now. Or, or am I right. the right one in yours? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Keith Creel, uh, yeah, is uh, president and CEO of uh, CP. That's uh, correct. Creel. Yep. Um, yes, yeah, that's it's I, I uh, just quick going back to the, you know, what, you know, that it's not the standard uh 
perspective of profit in a capitalist system. There was a good um, there was a good article in Mother Jones last year, May 2022, about mm-hmm. it was called "How Private Equity Looted America." Um, in, inside the uh, industry that ransacked the U.S. economy. And it really talked about, again, how it really had nothing to do with the kind of the notion or the, the how people might visualize, you know, cap it, uh, capitalists mm-hmm. profiting off of an industry or something like that by running it to make money. It was very much, again, it was like, you know, picking the bones of some of these uh, organizations, again, to get every scrap of, uh, you know, personal wealth that they possibly could. Um, you know, doing every kind of, you know, again, financial instrument to squeeze wealth out of these mm-hmm. places, you know, taking out debt on top of the, uh, you know, the already um, uh, pick clean uh, uh, bones. So, you know, so I guess the question is, and I don't know, you know, if you have some thought, you know, how do we get there? You know, what are, what are, what are people saying? What are people, um, you know, thinking as far as this idea of, um, you know, publicly, owned rail. I know that, you know, I mean, it's the way that it is now, it's not sustainable. Right. So, you know, what are people saying about that? You know, in Canada, um, you know, I know, I don't think it, you know, I, I haven't seen much about it except from, you know, rail, uh, workers themselves, um, uh, in the U S you know, of course the Biden, uh, uh, government broke the rail strike, potential rail strike here. Um, Biden says the economy is doing great. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of working people would beg to differ both with their, you know, working conditions, wages, mm-hmm. and also the cost of living. Um, you know, you also, you, I think, I believe you were you uh, actually back in the, uh, uh, the UK recently, you know, what mm-hmm. are you hearing? What are you seeing? What are your thoughts on how we're going to, how we're going to move forward? Well, I think, I think back in the UK, if we can start there, yeah, I I think there is a quite a strong movement towards uh, public takeover of the railways based on performance um, of the private companies. There, uh, the uh, uh, I mean, in the UK they have the same issues there as what we have here in North America, and that includes the US and, and for Canada too. Right. And it's a and it's a question of uh, profiteering, buccaneering, the corruption. And uh, and the fact that most of the people that run the railways are not competent, mm-hmm. so it's a it's a common trait, right, right throughout the westernized capitalistic world. Uh, so uh, so to me that would indicate that there's been a, a movement with uh, malice of forethought is to put the wrong people into the right positions. And you know, going back to the COVID inquiry. I was just watching that yesterday, and uh, I mean, it's an obscenity. You it know, is. To, you know, to see how the British government dealt with COVID, and you know, and to a lesser extent, we had uh, kind of a similar issue up here in Canada. But you know, this is an indication of the of the kind of people that are placed in these positions of authority, and uh, and there's not an awful lot of difference in between members of the British government. And members of the boards of directors of North American corporations that operate in the rail sector or the oil and gas sector or the pharmaceutical or or whatever. Yep. But uh, back to the private ownership thing, um, in in the states there are organisations who are are stridently advocating for it, and and there's a movement that's beginning to build. 
uh, RWU is uh, one of the yep. organizations. It's uh, very Real workers, Real Workers United. Yeah, we. That, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, we've and, we've touched on that a little bit. Yep. And uh, they they're very passionate about this uh, uh, public ownership of the of the railways, and uh, they have uh, a like a mechanism in place right now, which is ardently you know, pushing for this. And I, I do hope it's uh, it's it picks up steam, as it were. And now, but for Canada, this is a this is a totally different uh, environment altogether. There's mm. there's no there's no desire here at all uh-huh. for public for public ownership. Uh, well, Canadian Pacific has always been a private company. It has never been owned or, or nationalized by by the states, unlike the CN, uh, our competition. Uh, that was uh, it was a crown corporation there for many years uh, at CN before it was privatized, and uh, <clears throat> they uh, have very similar problems uh, to what we have now uh, as a private corporation. Um, they have a bit of a difference uh, like structure in terms of, of the union, etc. But, uh, uh, but but for CP because it's always been a, a private corporation, uh, there's no appetite whatsoever to make it anything else, and right. and it's a heresy to even mention that. <laughs> you know, uh, yep. it's, uh, you, know it, you know, people will put the uh, they'll open their mouths and put their hands. Over, the, over their ears to absorb the blast of those words. You know, it's, uh, you know, the, there's no appetite uh, up here for it at all. And I mean, I think, I think in the US, there's more chance for public ownership there, and there's more chance in the UK. What we need here is enforcement. Like, um, what we have at the moment is we have the uh, uh, the government oversight department of Transport Canada, which is supposed to uh, oversee rail operations and to enforce the law in, in and around uh, operations. But they are, uh, are completely invisible. Mm, right. And, uh, I, uh, I I write to them all the time and, and um, I've I try to initiate complaints all the time, and most of the time I get ignored. And it, and it isn't just me; it's uh, lots of the people who I work with who make complaints to Transport Canada regarding outstanding and salient in, uh, your matters in the workplace, and we are almost altogether ignored. And, is, and- is that essentially a you know a situation of regulatory capture, basically, or absolutely okay? Uh, that's a phrase uh, you know, that uh, I would apply to it. You know, uh, if you look at the uh, of the circumstances around events in Quebec in 2013, uh, that was that was a prime example. And I thought then, I thought, okay, that's it now. The gap is up. Yeah, something, right. something is going to have to happen now. And what happened? Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And I was I was shocked and appalled. And I'll be honest, Nick, I'm like, if I don't know that the Canada and North America was actually like this, I would never have left Britain. 
Uh, I think <laughs> I think there's a lot of people that <laughs> have that uh, that feeling, um, you know. But then again, you know, in some ways, Britain gets more Americanized all the time too. So it's like you know, then you you're like, okay, I don't know. It's like it's it's hard to see where everything is uh, is going. But yeah, you've been back more recently. I haven't been back in a number. I haven't been back since 2008. I was actually supposed to go in 2020, but that was oh, right cool. around the time everything got shut down, and I never ended up yeah. going back. So. Um, but well, yeah, the I, COVID uh, yeah, no, uh, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, I'm just going to say if you look at uh, the at the COVID inquiry and uh, and the way that it's been exposed, um, that's what needs to occur here in North America when it comes to the rail industry. But I doubt very much a, an inquiry of that depth right. will ever occur here in North America. You know, yeah. and that's one thing I will say for Britain. Like Britain's got a lot of problems. And that's and that's part of the reason why I left. And at the time, I left in clear conscience. But now I uh, I look back and think, and I look at the COVID inquiry, and uh, I think to myself, well, at least in the UK, people in power right. are are bought to are bought to heal. They are questioned. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas that that doesn't happen here. It's like everything, like things go straight in the garbage can here. And it, to me, it's appalling. It's, it's it's a bit actually it's terrifying. Yeah, That's we had we had an inquiry. I mean, we had a sort of an inquiry type. Well, there was an uh, interviews and stuff that happened here in the U.S., but I don't think it like I don't think it got like any coverage literally at all. Hardly uh, just talking about how the you know the the mishandling in the U.S. Um, I know there was a bunch of days of interviews of Barbara Bricks or whatever her name was that was mm -hmm. the. That was in charge, and like none of that was in the news at all. I only saw it because I happened to watch C-SPAN that day for something else, um, and I caught a little bit of the, uh, the the interviews and stuff. But yeah, that pretty much just went right in the garbage can. Um, you know, I, I and I think yeah, I think that I think the key is again like we you know exposing these leaders and how uh, you know corrupt a lot of them are, and then like all the a lot of these people that they put in charge, how um, you know useless they are. And again, working people need to get more confidence. Like, again, I feel like working people are anxious and they're, we're always second guessing ourselves about stuff. And then you have these, again, these people in charge that literally don't think twice about something before making a terrible, terrible decision that mm -hmm. impacts, you know, hundreds or thousands of people's lives. Um, you know, I really appreciate you speaking with me. Um, you know, and I think, you know, also the other thing is if there are movements that can, that kind of get going in Britain, um, you know, again, sharing this stuff, uh, you know, uh, internationally, whatever, is also going to be a key uh, element if there are, you know, successful movements uh, in Britain to push for um, public ownership uh, of the rail and, you know, or any uh, any uh, any areas uh, in the country, you know, making sure to share those lessons and making sure that, you know, we can get people to speak, um, if not you know, personally here in North America, we have zoom and other things. Now we can make that, uh, we can make that happen. If there's people that, uh, have experience to share, you know, mm -hmm. is there, is there anything else you want to say before you, uh, before you go about, uh, about safety, about real ownership? Well, there's, uh, there's an awful lot I could say. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, we could be here for many, many days. <laughs> yep. What you're talking about is what, what I would say, uh, if your listeners is that uh, people need to be inspired to take an interest you know that train that rumbles through your town at two o'clock 
in the morning. Uh, that's a, you know, it's a, it's a clear and present threat mm-hmm. you know, to their safety and to the safety of the families and and the towns and the villages and, and the cities in which they live. So people they need to be aware. They can't they can't be uh, ignorant or aloof there to the risks because the risks are there. And uh, what I would advocate to your audience is to go out and get an education and what those risks are because they are very real. Yeah, and here in the U.S., you know, people can continue to look at what, you know, there's not as much coming out, but things uh, that are coming out of East Palestine, Ohio, Mm -hmm. um, where the uh, uh, Norfolk Southern train uh, derailed, spilled vinyl chloride uh, all over the place that they then uh, burned up. There's tons of, uh, you know, uh, incompetence, corruption, et cetera, going on there that you can look into. Uh, one source that's actually been covering it, I don't know if they've been covering it as much recently, but they did for some time, was the Status Coup. Um, I know they're on Facebook and other places. Um, they were actually, you know, talking to the residents. They were at the uh, a lot of the uh, press conferences and things down there in East Palestine uh, talking to folks. So, you know, it's just it's just crazy, again, how this has been kind of swept under the rug. So Absolutely. I really... I really appreciate your time, Mark. Thank you very much, Nick. It was my pleasure. And that is our special report. Thanks for listening. Solidarity. This has been a Socialist News and Views special report.